Welcome, everyone, to our featured podcast on thought leadership with Dr. Ray McKinley. Dr. McKinley is an expert on leadership and character development. Let's join the conversation now. Hello, everyone. This is Ray McKinley. Welcome to Ride the Elephant podcast. We're excited that you're here today, particularly excited about our topic. I think you're really going to enjoy it. With me, I have my guest, my son, Brian McKinley. We've been having great conversations in the past few weeks, and hopefully you'll find this as enjoyable as the previous ones. Say hello, Brian, and we can get started. Hi, everyone. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Well, you know, Brian, we've been talking about motivation and really what causes us to respond the way we do. We oftentimes don't give a lot of thought to it. We just respond the way we do. When something happens, we respond this way. We kind of find ourselves in this habit loop of responding the same way all the time. And what I've been proposing is for us to individually check in with that and see really what it is that's motivating us. And then make a decision and say, is that really what I want? Or do I want to be more inspired by something other than these current factors that are driving me to do what I do every day? And one of those things that we've talked about a lot is how expectations that other people have of us and that we think other people have of us drive us into our decision-making, drive us into the things we do because we think people have these expectations of us. And I'm basically wanting us to unpackage that. So when we talk about motivation and inspiration, Brian, what's the key difference that you see in the difference between being motivated and being inspired? The key difference between motivated and being inspired is going through the exercise. It might happen in 10 minutes. It might happen in an afternoon, but usually it takes a little longer than that, it seems. There's an exercise or a process that you have to go through where you say, what do I believe? Do I agree with the dogma that's been taught to me? What do I want out of my life? What's my vision? Also, to imagine things differently. To think about a situation that is maybe imperfect and to try imagining it differently and then asking the question, what are the steps that I need to take? to get this thing that I imagined and make it part of reality. That's the kind of active inspiration that I think of in contrast to, like we've talked about before, being stuck between the whips and carrots of the expectations of others. You're now starting to reach inward. And you used the word last time we talked authentic a couple of times. You mentioned that in your life, you felt there were a few moments where you were becoming authentic. And I thought that that was really interesting. How do you relate the two, authentic and inspiration? How are those connected? Yeah, I think they're closely related, in fact, tied very tightly together. You know, I think there's four aspects of this, what I would call the differentiation between being motivated and being inspired. 
and authenticity is certainly one of them. However, to unpackage the authenticity, we first have to do the very first thing, and that's that we need to be totally unconditionally accepting of ourselves. Mm-hmm. We can be authentic when we totally unconditionally accept ourselves just the way we are, and we don't have to pretend or be somebody else. And then we can be authentic because we, in part, are totally unconditionally accepting of ourselves. See, most of us are raised in an environment where all our acceptance is conditional. You know, our parents is oftentimes, our friendships, our boss relationships, our work relationships are all conditional. It's that conditional acceptance that then really converts to expectations in our mind. We have these expectations that other people have of us. Here's the expectations, here's the condition of my approval for you. And if you don't meet these expectations, I'm going to show my disapproval. Okay, fine. You can live a life like that and be totally controlled and manipulated by that world that you've allowed to have that authority over you. Because the expectations other people have of you only have power because you give them power. Mm-hmm. And part of giving them power, Brian, is not knowing yourself, mm-hmm. not being sure of yourself. So we have this unconditional acceptance is foreign to us. So we have to have that in our heart. We have to be unconditionally accepting of ourselves just the way we are and not have to wake up every morning and, and we're walking to every relationship and say, oh, I need to meet the expectations of everyone in this room or the, my parents or my friends or whatever in order to be liked. And see, that to me is the first step to having an inspired mind. The other one I touched on is have your own expectations. You brought that up. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between being expected by other people and having your own expectations? Well, if you have your expectations of yourself, this is something you've agreed to do. You said, okay, these are goals of mine. These are ambitions of mine. These are my intentions. I like to use the word intentions because oftentimes we throw out an intention. And, you know, we don't always match our intention. We try to match our intention, but we fall short sometimes. But you know what? When you have an intention laying out there and you fall short of your intention, that hits you kind of in the side of the head and say, you know, I kind of fell short of my intention here. Okay, so there's a drive in you to match your intention. I think not only totally unconditionally accepting of yourself, having an intention about what you expect of yourself, then authenticity starts to emerge. And I think the other thing that we need to do to be authentic And this is the barometer of being not authentic, okay? Mm -hmm. And this is our level of pride we feel about ourselves. So in other words, if we're feeling proud about our successes, and if we're feeling prideful that everyone loves us, and aren't that great, isn't this wonderful? If we start having those kinds of feelings about ourselves, that's clearly an indication to me that we're not totally unconditionally accepting and we're not being authentic. So being grateful for the other people in our life, giving credit to the other people in our life is I think critical to our test if we're really being authentic or not. Because it's very difficult for us to talk about our authenticity if we can't give credit to the people that have brought it to us in the first place, made us who we are as people, made us who we are as a person. And so I think that 
this humility by giving credit to others is critical. See, another way of saying it is this, expectations are not agreements and agreements are not expectations. And what I mean by that is because someone has an expectation of you, that's not an agreement unless you have said, I agree to do that. Well, as soon as you've agreed to do it, is it an expectation anymore? No, it's an agreement. We have a tendency to have this feeling about expectations that we've agreed to do. In other words, I agreed to do this in our relationship. I'd agreed to do that in our relationship. And then you go around and say, I had to do this and I have to do that. I got to do this tomorrow. As if the world is on your shoulders now and that other people are demanding this of you. Well, wait a minute. Time out. Is it really that they're demanding it of you or have you agreed to do it in the first place? If you agreed to do it in the first place, get up in the morning with a smile on your face and say, I agreed to do some things today, let's get it done. And not sit back and beat yourself up that I'm having to meet the expectations of other people. Oh my God, my life is not my own. I have to live somebody else's life. And you listen to the crying song play out and all you have to do is listen to some current recordings in particular, Western music, and you hear the crying songs play out of having to lament the situations that you're having to experience based on the expectations other people have of you. But on that side note, I think when we really look at it and say, I'm doing this for my reasons, I'm doing this because I decided to do it, then we are allowed to be more inspired than we are motivated. I think when you can unpackage those four things, it allows you to take on some beliefs, Brian, that are different than the beliefs you had before. So your thoughts about that? Those sound like really helpful steps. I mean, the, the self-acceptance thing seems first and foremost, right? Absolutely. And then from there, you can start to say, am I being real? Am I being authentic? But it all starts with accepting yourself and the steps that one takes to move from being stuck in motivation. There's opportunities at every turn in your life to stop and think about these things and ask, am I being accepting of myself right now? And am I being authentic right now? And how is that expressing itself in my agreements? Right? Yes. Which it sounds like it's not brand new. Oh, no. And this is an old way of thinking, of being independent, of being creative. And I think people go through rebellious phases where they're kind of toying with this yeah. struggle. Right. We've been trapped in this thinking mindset. You use the word thinking about five or six times just now. Yeah. And I find it interesting because when you think, there's two types of thinking in, in my eyes. There's the thinking that we do that just perpetuates our current mindset. Then there's critically thinking, which evaluates our current mindset. So one of the things we do when we're thinking all the time, we're really just justifying why we're doing what we're doing. We're really just explaining why we're doing what we're doing. We're really just saying, I'm doing this because I said earlier, we have to meet the expectations of somebody else. Instead of saying, I'm doing this for my reason, I'm doing it because somebody else expects it of me. So we have these conversations. It doesn't take a lot of thinking to conform. Hmm. 
<laughs> you just look and do it. It doesn't do a lot of thinking to just go along with your peers. Mm -hmm. It doesn't do a lot of thinking to just go along with the program that your mom and dad taught you. Right. You use the word dogma. It doesn't do a lot of thinking to just go along with the dogma right. that everyone else has. See, I call what other people think and project onto you as dogma. And it stays as dogma because it's their thought. Right. It's what they think. It may be true to you, but until you critically think about it and say, you know, I've given thought to that dogma that I initially I thought was dogma. You know, that's true. I'm buying that. Well, now it's no longer dogma. Now you own it. Mm -hmm. Now you're inspired by it mm -hmm. versus feeling it's something that's being thrown on you. Right. Because now you've critically thought it through. So there's thinking, which is what we've always been doing, just going along and going along in our habit loop, to critically thinking. Yeah. And this is what happens when you start critically thinking, Brian. I have come up with some beliefs that I think emerge when we start critically thinking and come from a place of authenticity and come a place of a total unconditional acceptance. See, when you can say, I totally unconditionally accept myself just the way I am, can you also say, I totally unconditionally accept that person over there for the way they are? I mean, if you're gonna apply it to you, why can't you apply it to somebody else? Why not? Well, it's easier said than done, but for all intents and purposes, yes, do unto others. Well, right? it's harder to do it for others. It's hard to do you, it for either, but, you but can't, especially hard for others. Yeah. yeah, but until you do it for yourself, you'll never be able to do it for others. That's right. I that, believe that. Yeah, that's where people get messed up. I can't totally unconditionally accept someone with just who they are. Well, if you can't accept yourself for that, then obviously you can't. So you have to have this total unconditional acceptance of yourself before you can ever have it for someone else. One belief I carry with me all the time. Everyone is doing the best they can with the prevailing awareness they have at the time. And I like to throw that prevailing awareness at this time because everyone really, for the most part, tries to do what's best. You know, no one tries to do worse or tries to do bad. I mean, <laughs> we might look at it and we say, yeah, they're really trying to do bad. But I think in normal relationships, yeah, when we're not hanging around the devil incarnate. People want to grow and improve and right, help. Exactly. And Everyone's doing the best they can. I think so. I am too. And so are they. Yeah. So I can say, you know, I'm accepting you just the way you are right now, even though at this point in time, because I believe that when new awareness has come on to you, you'll have a different response another day. And that different response may be more edifying to you and to me. So I love that statement. But I could never say that. When the first person ever said that to me, I said, yeah, right. I blew it off as just ridiculous. But it took me a while to really understand what that meant and what it had to take for me to become accepting of myself before I could ever make a statement like that. In the same way, the opinion that other people have of me is none of my business. And the opinion I have of them is none of their business. We have this tendency today in our society and in our relationships to bombard another person with our opinion. And sometimes we don't have enough nerve to present it directly to them, so we present it to our mutual friends. Or I go home and talk about that person. It's now gossip. In other words, my gossiping about another person is none of their business. Nor is their gossiping about me none of my business. 
So the reality is, is that when you have more acceptance of other people, you can drop this, this habit pattern of throwing darts at people because you don't agree with them. Boy, have we ever seen that in our society today? You know, there's so much stuff in our culture right now that if you don't agree with somebody else, you know, I think you should be doing, I'm going to criticize you. You know, we've seen this play out with the people who are vaccinated and the people who are unvaccinated. I mean, just that in itself, you yeah. know, is, is just like at each other's throats. And, and it's like, I'm going to project onto you that I'm right. And the yeah. other person says, I'm going to project on you what's right. And the reality is the rightness of that is irrelevant, <laughs> you know. Now, you might think that's crazy. It's not. It's relevant. Yes, and logistically it is. But how it relates to our relationship, yeah, it's irrelevant. Yeah, that's the interesting thing. That, see, and that's what yeah. we're not separating out. So I look at somebody else that I might not agree with their vaccination status. I say they're doing the best they can with awareness that they have at this time. I'm doing the best I can with the awareness I have at this time. You know, neither one of us have all the information we need to have to make the right call. And so many of these things are so difficult because what is fact now isn't fact six months from now and, and all this changes. So it's like we're going to dig our heels in and stand our ground on these issues when I believe that when you're authentic and you allow other people to be authentic, because if you want to be authentic, you have to allow other people to be authentic too. You got to give them that chance to do that. Yeah. And, you know, we can look at life as two ways. And you said this years ago in a class you were teaching. And for my class, you were subbing for me and yeah. you were teaching a class. You said life is either a series of problems or a series of opportunities. And that is so true. And how you see that is critical. And to me, again, I go back to those four measuring sticks that we can now change in our mindset and we can start seeing life as a series of opportunities instead of seeing it as a series of problems. And we can start accepting people for the way they're at. We can stop value judging them and having an opinion about them which doesn't serve our relationship. So to me, an inspired mind is more fulfilling for myself and for others. So, your thoughts about Well, just that. to clarify some things here, you're not suggesting that a person who has accepted themselves is complacent with themselves. No, not at all. Right. Because I could see someone kind of misconstruing that idea of, I accept myself just the way I am, as kind of being complacent with maybe some things that aren't so great about yourself or maybe are unhealthy or aren't good for other people in your life. And you're saying that you have to start there, but an inspired person isn't apathetic and saying, yeah, life is just a series of problems. An inspired person says, life is a series of opportunities and I accept myself, but every time someone calls me out for my mischief, that's an opportunity for me to learn. Absolutely. Instead of fighting that and saying, well, I accept and love myself. So, you know, your suggestions don't matter to me that the inspired person is willing, is humble, listens to other people's feedback. And that's an agreement thing. Again, right. like you yes. can have an agreement with someone. Hey, I want your feedback when I screw something up. An inspired person, when they get that, they see it as 
mm-hmm. an opportunity to grow because they're inspired right. to always be growing. That's what you're saying is in your amphora for an inspired yeah. so individual. Let, let me ask yeah. you this question, Brian, and see it. So which person is going to be more willing to check in and take a look at their mischief or their idiosyncrasies and maybe grow? Is it going to be the prideful person or the humble person? Right, exactly. Well, it's a humble person, obviously. Yeah. The prideful person, when they act on their motivations and they have their worldly success by being motivated and pleasing others and being a good conformist, that creates pride. So what more do you want from me? I got it all figured out. Yeah. I'm doing a great job here. Yes. And an inspired person, you're saying, has a belief that there's always room for improvement. There's and always he, room to And grow. it starts with total unconditional acceptance and humility. Right. When you can grab both ends of what I call the, the seven dichotomy spectrum, where total unconditional acceptance at the beginning, humility at the end, everything starts to fit in the middle. It corrects it all. When I say correct, it makes you more authentic more real, more a person of character, more inspired. It raises your level of esteem, your feelings of self-respect, how you feel about yourself. And you're able to give it away. You're able to be more affirming to other people because you're so secure in your own self. This reminds me of, of a story that I love from a personal friend and a colleague of yours who had claimed that there wasn't a creative bone in his body. And he said he couldn't even draw a stick figure. And you challenged him on that and said, well, how about this definition of creativity? Thinking of things from a different perspective or thinking outside the box. And he said, oh, I guess I do do that. You know, and to have that humility to listen to you say, think of it differently. Think of it as creativity is not just being an artist, creativity is also being able to think from a new perspective. Correct. And he said, you know what? I do that. I do that all the time. Think from a different perspective. And I told him, and you do it really well. And, and he does do it really, really <laughs> well. And one thing that he always did really well was took criticism. Mm-hmm. And when people had an issue, he brought them in and listened to what they had to say. I saw him model that over and over and over and over again. Sure. And that's the kind of humility instead of saying no i don't need to hear what you have to say about creativity i know i'm not a creative person i can't create (laughs) right like you said before people say i can't i can't i can't he was willing to listen and say oh i guess i can be creative it's just kind of in a different context well that's a great story and a great metaphor for what we're talking about here we blind ourselves we get locked into our pre-existing paradigm as Dr. Book did, that's who we're talking about, and I think we can say his name safely here. Dr. Steve Book, he is Chief Executive Officer of Faith Lutheran School in Las Vegas, and a good friend of both of ours. And this was a great example of how we can take on a paradigm, take on an old belief, and that doesn't fit for us, really. And then when we are asked ourselves a better question, you know, we then can say, ah, I can do that. And the reason he was able to do that, because of his humility. Yes. 
in his acceptance. Yes. He was totally unconditionally accepting of himself not being creative. Right. <laughs> he yes, says, I can't true. draw a stick figure. And he was, he says, I'm happy with my life not drawing a stick figure. Right. But when he really understood it, it was a great awareness and aha for him to recognize that he does have that. And I think we all do. And that's what I want us to consider here is what steps can we take to go from this being motivated by all this other stuff that we are traditionally motivated by to being inspired. And I'm just encouraging everyone to begin with being totally unconditionally accepting of yourself and then being humble about it and then start having intentions on making a transition, purposeful intention. So yeah, and being authentic. Yeah. And imagine yourself being authentic. I think the other thing too is interestingly enough, Brian, as we get into this even more, I think this is another way to transition. You can observe a behavior that you respect and admire in another person. Just like you mentioned, Dr. Boo. Yeah. Or some other person that you know about, whether they're living or dead or an author or a political figure or an athlete or whatever. And then commit to discovering some answers. Commit to finding out more. Read an article about the person. Watch an interview with them on TV. Yeah. Learn about what their core beliefs are that causes them to respond the way they do. Be curious. What would it take for me to be able to emulate that behavior? Imagine the convictions that would need to exist in you to get you to respond in that way. So I think there's many ways for us to put personal intention on making this shift. We can look at it as a dichotomy that we're saying, I'm right here on a scale of one to 10, I'm at a one or a two, and what would it take to get to be a six or a seven and move yourself up that dichotomy? That's a process you can go through. The other is to start connecting yourself with people you have a high esteem for, high respect for, and learn from the experiences that you can gain from them. There's so many high quality books out there that you can be read. There's so many learned people that you can gain wisdom from. And to just be caught in this trap of living out the expectations that you think people have of you is a very empty, empty place to be. And then you end up waking up someday as you've achieved everything that everyone wants you and expects of you. And you say, is that all there is? You know, is that really the kind of fulfilled life or the life that you want to experience? You know, as many people of Maslow's hierarchy and need, I think it's important to maybe throw that in here right now and just to remind everybody what that is. Maslow was a renowned psychologist in the last century, and he developed this hierarchy of need. And the lowest level of need was physiological need, which was air and water and food. You know, you need that just to survive. And push come to shove, you're going to fight and do whatever it takes to get those three things so that you can invent physiologically live. The second one was safety needs, where you want to be in a shelter or protection, in a home or in a group or in a tribe where you're all together and you you give safety to each other. And then, of course, the social need is the third level of need, which is a need to belong and to be loved. We all want to be loved. We all want to belong. We all want to be approved of. And that's an important part, important need that we all have.
But the fourth need is really where, and the fifth need is where you really start taking in and measuring this because most of us have the first three needs met pretty much in our life. We're fortunate enough to be in a country that allows us to have these three needs met. But the next one is esteem needs. Esteem is the level of respect you have for yourself. And Maslow said, you know, you need to have self-respect. You need to have this esteem for yourself and esteem for others. And basically what he's saying, you need to love yourself just the way you are. You need to accept yourself the way you are. And that's really what he was talking about. Not all of us ever get to this point where we really respect ourselves. And what we're really talking about here today, Brian, when we look at from motivation to inspiration, inspiration allows us to have a respect for ourselves. It allows us to hit this fourth level of need, this higher level of esteem that we're all looking for. And when I throw out this word of fulfilling, you're more fulfilled in your life when you feel esteemed and you have self-esteem, you have self-respect. And then the thing Maslow talked about in the end, in the fifth level, was self-actualization. Now, self-actualization is an interesting word. It's really where we pursue, if you really want me to understand this, I'll start it this way. The first four levels of need we pursue, we go out and try to achieve them. We try to garner them. We try to gain them. We actively search them out, seek them out and create them and go through processes in life that allows us to have those come to fruition. Self-actualization is interesting because Maslow talked about that was something that ensued. In other words, you can't really pursue self-actualization. It's something that ensues. It's a feeling, it's an emotion inside of you that causes you to have peace, trust, faith, hope, and feel inspired. It's a different level of need that is fulfilled. If you really want to find another topic, another day would be to really break down Maslow and, yeah. and some of his things because his phenomenal... Okay. What he what he put together. I, I've long associated the physical safety and social need rungs of the hierarchy with motivation. Mm-hmm. And we pursue what motivates us. Right. And I've also associated the upper levels of Maslow's hierarchy with inspiration. Correct. Because self-actualization and transcendence ensue from they follow after yes inspiration and it's interesting because that is exactly how maslow developed those higher levels is is he noticed that there were people who were beyond their social needs they had everything that they were motivated to get they had all the security but they continued and those people that inspired him to write about self-actualization and transcendence are people who had done some great work right or made some significant contribution or difference in their society in their time and that's an inspired action is to go to that next level tolkien doesn't write the lord of the rings because someone asked him to Right. He's inspired right. to tell this story. Oprah didn't do some of those episodes on her show. You know, she got really deep and spiritual because her producers were telling her to do that. She was inspired 
to do that on her own. Inspired people do great work and the reasons for doing it have nothing to do with their boss telling them what they need to do. Right. It's not motivated. It's inspired. Yeah. And it's significantly different. Once you get to that level where you're truly inspired from deep down inside by your core convictions, and that's what we're talking about here, you start to transcend. You start having those feelings of self-actualization, but then you start transcending and transcending into a place where you have a cause greater than self. Yes. And yeah. it's it's bigger than you. Interesting. And it's takes on a life of itself even without you. Yes. And this is what Maslow is a perfect example of that. You know, he unfortunately died at a young age, and he was really writing this. He had five levels. When you look at Maslow's need, initially he ended with self-actualization. But then he started to recognize there was a lot level higher than that, and he called it self-transcendence. And he died before he ever really totally finished that understanding. But there was enough people in his world that heard him lecture about it and explain about it and teach him about it, his students and his creative laboratory, if you will, that then were able to piece it together and come up with this. The pyramid. Isn't, isn't that essay titled On Human Motivation? Could the, be. That paper, that essay that Maslow wrote. Yeah. But yeah. you can look up and find this. I, I don't remember that title, but uh, I remember the article. On human motivation or something to that effect. That's where this. Well, his primary was. book, and if people are interested in it, was The Right to Be Human. Oh, The Right to Be Human. It was a biography or autobiography written by Hoffman. I don't know if you can still get it, but it's a great book. You can always get books, I guess. It may not be in print, but it's a great book. Yeah, there would be hopefully opportunities for us to talk about some of these individuals, some of these authors that have inspired you and I, like Abraham Maslow and Viktor Frankl and even Tony Robbins and uh, Brene Brown and some of the more contemporary ones, too. Sure. We'll get around to talking about some of the, how their ideas relate to what we're talking about. There's a lot to unpackage here. And I think what I would invite all of us to consider is we want to ask ourselves, are we living a life of what other people expect of us or are we live in our life of our own authentic self, our own intentions and our core beliefs, values and principles? And I think that's the thing I would like everyone to consider as we contemplate the next step in our journey. And speaking of journey, I would encourage people to pick up the book, Ride the Elephant, The Journey to True Success. It's a great read. It talks a lot about these things that we've, you and I have talked about, Brian. And love to hear from some of you as well. If you want to send me a note at ray at raymckinley.com, we'd love to include your questions and input into this discussion. Brian, any closing thoughts? Thanks for having me. Yeah. It was great to have you again. Uh, thanks for joining us. Join us next week for Ride the Elephant Today. Have a great week. Dr. Ray McKinley is a speaker, author, and coach. In his new book, Ride the Elephant, The Journey to True Success, Dr. McKinley addresses the crisis in personal leadership and what you can do about it. Thank you for joining us today. Your feedback is important to us, and we'd like to hear from you. Email your comments and questions to ray at raymckinley.com. 
Join us next week for another informative podcast with Dr. Ray McKinley. Have a great week.